I like to say that there are honestly a thousand other things that you could do before you ever cross the threshold of a gym to improve your health. Heyo, welcome to Built to Be You. My name is Michaela and I am so pumped that you're here. I made this podcast so you can uncover what it means to be you and learn how you can fully step into your potential while trying to navigate your 20s, overcoming previous failures, learning to face your fears, dance with your emotions, and take messy action in order to build and become the best you. You can expect a little bit of mixed up love and a whole lot of real talk. But let me just say this journey is so much more fun with the bestie. So buckle up and let's do it together. Welcome, Jesse, to the Built to Be You podcast. Uh, just from what we were chatting about before we hit record, I know that today's episode is going to be so good. And I'm so excited to just learn more about your world and your journey. And I know my listeners are going to take away so much value. So before I have you introduce yourself, we have a couple of like rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Uh, what is the first thing you did this morning? The first thing I did this morning was, I mean, besides getting up to pee or... (laughs) I mean, that counts too. There's no right answers here. Like literally, like that's always the first thing. But I mean, I guess the second thing is um, I actually tongue scrape. Have you heard of that before? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I got a tongue scraper like the end of last year and it's great. It's so gross yeah. though. <laughs> yep. So I like pee and then I get up or, you know, and then I like tongue scrape and basically get ready to go to the gym. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. We'll unpack that here in a second. Um, what is your go-to karaoke anthem? Go-to karaoke anthem. Mm-hmm. If you have um, karaoke, what would you sing? The first thing that comes to mind is like Shania Twain. Oh, heck yeah. Like, let's go, girls. <laughs> I mean, I grew up on her. So, naturally, right? Right, right. Okay. I dig it. I dig it. Again, no right answers. Um, okay. Last question. If you could eat one food every day, what would it be? Pizza. Always. Pineapples or no? No. What's your favorite pizza? So, I, since I have been a little girl, like, I have always loved, like a beef and olive. So Mm. like, whether it's like a sausage or like literally just ground beef or meatball or something and black olive, like that has been like my vice since I was little. I don't even know where it came from. That's just... (laughs) It just uh, like happened one day, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, lo- I love that. Okay. Well, now we know that Jesse tongue scrapes and she loves pizza. Tell us who Jesse is, what you're about, what you do, and what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So my name's Jesse, and I am a holistic fitness coach and certified personal trainer. I really just like to help entrepreneur women make their health a priority and ditch the fad diets, the unrealistic workouts, and really just help them feel their best by working with their body instead of against it. Because that's usually what ends up happening most of the time is we work against our body instead of with it. And it just makes us feel worse. So this all stemmed from my own like physical, mental, personal transformation story over the last few years. And I just have grown and and really found this massive amount of passion for women's health, especially in a more holistic emphasis. Mm-hmm. I think women are just very grossly underserved in the fitness industry, in the health industry. And 
I'm just out here trying to rock the boat a little bit. Hell yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Rock the boat. Let's do it. I, I think you are so right. You know, we tend to generalize as a population of like, this is what a human age of 25 needs. And it's like, wait a minute. Is, is that really what like every human at 25 needs? Um, so I'm super excited to just like pick your brain today and really learn more about holistic health and how the woman listening to this can really just step into a place of empowerment. And I know we talked about off mic, you know, kind of this feeling of overwhelm when it comes to information and all there is to learn and implement and integrate. So let's talk about, you know, what does holistic health mean? Yeah, that's a great question. So I like to, I I don't like to say that I coined the term holistic fitness, but because I'm a personal trainer and because I come from that angle, like I Mm -hmm. love to just talk about like holistic health and holistic fitness. And to me, what holistic means is just widening the lens, creating a larger perspective because in the fitness world, when you go through the certified personal training certification coursework, um, you're really, it's a generalized thing, right? It's not Mm -hmm. super specialized. I mean, that's just the nature of what it is. But during that coursework, really, you only come away with knowledge about programming, like exercise programming. I wouldn't even really say that the general course goes into a lot of nutrition aspect. Mm -hmm. At least that wasn't like my experience. And so as a trainer, you come out and your biggest asset is the fact that you now have this knowledge of programming, you know, creating workout programs for people and that kind of thing. And while that's all great and fun, that honestly is the last thing that people should be focusing on when it comes to bettering their health. I like to say that there are honestly a thousand other things that you could do before you ever cross the threshold of a gym mm-hmm. to improve your health. And that's coming from a personal trainer. So most people I don't expect that. that. But to me, getting back to the question, like holistic means not just looking at exercise and nutrition, which both of those things are incredibly, like they need to be incredibly customized in order to really make results, create results. Mm -hmm. Like our health is so individualized. Like we are each a unique person, right? Like just because of our genetic code and all of that, there's no one else out there like us. And so there shouldn't be a, just a generalized solution for everybody too, because we're all genetically predisposed. And then with our lifestyle, you know, our lifestyles and stuff like that, like there's so much that is so nuanced Mm -hmm. and I do my very best to come in and offer a more uh, wider lens, a wider perspective of why isn't your body responding or why do you feel like crap? And it doesn't just start and end with, well, how much are you exercising and, and how little are you eating? Yeah, that's so true. And I think that I I love that you share that perspective of like, there's a thousand other things that you can do before you enter the gym threshold, because I think so often people think that the first step is like getting into the gym or working out or completely changing your diet, hopping on a fad diet, you know, ending a fad diet, whatever it might be. So let's talk a little bit about 
those 1,000 other things. We're not going to talk about all 1,000, but if you were to guide somebody in the direction of like, let's start here, what does that typical starting process or starting point look like? So I think that mindset is probably one of the first places to start because we've all grown up a certain way. Our parents either made food a certain way or made specific food, or maybe they didn't. And you ate out a ton as a child. And so that's what you were, you know, shown. That was the example that you were given growing up. Well, if you're going to change those habits, we first have to accept that change is uncomfortable. And we have to accept that we're going to be learning something completely new and completely different. And that takes a different mindset. And so just accepting that, you know, we're going to be in a growth phase, you know, is is huge. We're not going to get anywhere if you're stuck in your ways. I don't want to work with that person. I want to work with the person that is ready to make changes. And so I think mindset is one of the first things. And included in mindset, I also think that comes down to the relationship you have with yourself. Are you constantly berating yourself? Are you your absolute worst critic? How do you talk about your body? How do you talk about yourself? Because again, those things are foundational to creating our reality, right? And so mindset is a huge place to start, first of all. Next, like in more relation to health specific, blood sugar regulation, and glucose spikes and really leveling out what that looks like. Consistent glucose spikes is a foundational problem to all different kinds of health problems, including like mental health, anxiety, depressive states. um, And then also over decades and decades of glucose spikes on a daily basis, you're going to end up insulin resistant with diabetic heart disease, all of the things. And so trying to level out like your glucose spikes and your blood sugar and really understanding how that process works is again, really foundational to just honestly feeling better. And and that's something that you can do without going to a gym. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think about the one who's listening, who is like, okay, this is not what I want to hear. Like, I don't want to go down this, you know, turmoil of like deep inner work. And that's really what it boils down to. And I think a lot of times, I know you talk about this quite a bit, is that self-awareness of, you know, you have to know that something's not right in order to create that change. And I think a lot of times women, people in general, just accept this like kind of crummy feeling like this is just how it is. This is just how I am. This is how I was made. And I'm meant to be low energy, feeling like trash, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, how what kind of like red flags almost do we look out for when it comes to pinpointing that something needs to change? I think the first red flag is if you're not being validated in how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Like you talk about how we just kind of settle into, well, this is how I'm, I've always been, this is how it's supposed to be. That's normalization, but that doesn't mean that it's actually normal. Right. Like, I I like to use the example of like women's periods. Like I remember going to the stupid class in like fifth grade, right? Where Mm -hmm. they talk about, okay, 
at any point you could get your period and this is what that looks like. And here's a pad and here's a tampon. You know what I mean? Like that class in elementary school. And I remember them talking about like menstrual cramps and, you know, when you cramp, like eat a banana or take a hot bath or whatever. And that is normalization of symptoms that are actually not optimal. Mm -hmm. So you have just because something is common, like most women have menstrual cramps or whatever, doesn't mean that it's actually supposed to be happening. And that was one of my first like mind blowing things was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I can have periods without cramps, you know what I mean? And so that goes back to that self-awareness piece of when you become aware of something and now you you understand that, whoa, okay, so that's actually possible. Well, now how do I get there? Right. And yeah, it just, it all comes back to that self-awareness piece. Yeah, no, it's funny that you're like, that was like my mind blown moment. And I, I am the same way. I'm like, you know, 25 years old. And I'm like, I just learned three years ago, not even three years ago that you couldn't get pregnant every single day you know it's like there's such a huge gap in the education system which I think is why it's so important that women like you are on this pursuit and this journey and this trajectory to put the education in the ears and the eyes of women who need to start questioning this quote-unquote normal because like you said it's just because everybody else is experiencing it or most people are experiencing it doesn't mean that it's normal and Mm -hmm. I think like you said just advocating for yourself and knowing and trusting that you know your body best, you know, you have to be able to like tap in and listen, but also nobody else can tell you how you're feeling or like invalidate you. So I think that validation is huge. Yeah. I think we've just gotten to a point in society where we deem doctors and those who have advanced degrees as smarter than us. Mm -hmm. When, when you really think about it, when you visit a conventional Western medicine doctor, how long are you actually visiting with them? Like your appointment may be like an hour or whatever, but like the actual time you spend visiting with that doctor is probably less than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we've just gotten to a point where we've been gaslit so often for so long that we just think that that's okay. When in reality, they have been chatting with you for 10 minutes, but you permanently live in your body. Mm -hmm. And so you have every right to stand up for yourself and be like, listen, pal, (laughs) I live in my body 24 seven, just because you went to school for X amount of time doesn't mean that you know what it's like to live in my body. And so back to the red flag thing. I just think if, if they don't listen to you, whether it's a trainer or a nutritionist or, you know, a doctor or whatever, if they don't listen to you, that's the first red flag because you should always feel like you are heard and understood. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes it's almost this like shy away effect. It's like, well, I don't want to ruffle any feathers or I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So I'm just going to accept whatever answer or solution they give me. And there's way too many resources out there now, you know, with coaches and entrepreneurs and standalone businesses for you to just accept being miserable and not heard. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. I think we are, uh, honestly, I think at least for me and my perspective, COVID was a huge catalyst into people 
entertaining holistic health a lot Mm -hmm. more just because of how badly that entire situation was mismanaged and all of that. Like that for me was my kind of wake up call into, oh, wow. Okay. So you mean the government doesn't actually care about me? And, you know, all of that stuff. And that, that's like a deep other rabbit hole that we don't have to go into on, on today's episode, but yeah, I just, yeah, if they're not going to listen to you, then, then you don't deserve to be like, they don't deserve to be working with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. And one thing you had mentioned at the beginning of the episode was, um, kind of just like living in alignment with, I know I'm like, I'm trying to get towards like, you know, cycle thinking and talking about the female menstrual cycle and the male cycle too, which I learned in your podcast Mm -hmm. that there's a difference. And I, I want to chat a little bit about that because I think this goes back to this idea of as a society, we generalize women and men together when really we're separate and we operate separately. Our energies are separate. So let's chat a little bit about that. Yeah. Let's dive into it. So yeah, the difference between men and women's hormones is fascinating to me. And again, this was another one of those like mind blowing moments of, Oh my God, I can't (laughs) believe this. Taking just a quick episode break to share with you a product that I have absolutely been loving for probably the last six, seven, eight, nine months. I don't even know. But if you follow me over on the gram, you see me rave about it all the time. Sleep Milk is my go-to. It is the chocolatey goodness that you need in your life. It was founded in 2019 by former athletes and friends with one goal in mind to provide delicious strength and energy to healthy-minded folks worldwide, aka you, my friend, listening to Built to Be You right now. Slate offers high-protein chocolate milks and lattes that are better for you and better for the planet. All of their products contain 20 grams of protein, zero grams of added sugar. They're keto and lactose friendly, and they are freaking delicious. I am not a coffee drinker, but they have a mocha latte one, which has some caffeine in it. My personal favorite is the classic chocolate. It is the best on the go pre-shift snack, mid-shift snack, you know, post-workout chocolatey goodness. Oh my gosh, it is chef's freaking kiss. And they also have a dark chocolate flavor as well. Uh, Because you are a listener of the podcast, if you use the code Michaela 10 you can get 10% off of your order. And I will make sure to put a link down in the show notes. I personally order a 12-pack and I have it on auto ship every two weeks because when that stuff runs out of my fridge, I am sad. So the male hormonal cycle is 24 hours long. Their testosterone is at their highest in the morning. Their cortisol is highest in the morning and basically kind of throughout the day, like it peaks and then it comes back down and they start that cycle all over again the next day. But for women, we have a um, second biological clock in our monthly cycle or in Freudian rhythm. And that is our hormonal cycle. It is 28 days long. And so it's no wonder why we constantly feel burned out, stressed, behind, etc. because we're trying to shove a 28-day cycle into a 24-hour period mm-hmm. and we end up feeling less than, tired, low energy, etc. And so what's really cool is your infradian rhythm or monthly cycle is split up into four distinct phases. And I like to give this caveat whenever I talk about cycle syncing, because I 
look at your menstrual phase of your cycle as actually at the end versus at the beginning. Most, you know, medical professionals and even people in the holistic space will deem day one of your menstrual phase. So day one of your bleed as day one of your cycle, that's not necessarily incorrect, but in the way that your body actually works to me, it makes logical sense that the menstrual phase is at the end. So starting at the beginning that I, the the beginning that I deem the beginning, (laughs) you have your follicular phase, which is right after your menstrual phase, your hormones start to climb up a little bit. Your body sends signals to uh, your uterus to start kind of preparing the uterine lining and start maturing your eggs for later in the cycle. And then moving into your ovulatory phase, this is when you are most fertile. Your body has a luteinizing hormone spike, which signals the body to release an egg from an ovary to travel down the fallopian tube and into the uterus to potentially be fertilized and then implanted in the now lush uterine lining. If that doesn't occur, then we move into the luteal phase, which is the longest of them all. And during this phase, it's kind of like a, are we pregnant or are we not? Like your body is just waiting to see whether you end up pregnant or not. Because as a woman, your body is always aiming for pregnancy, whether you are actually actively trying to get pregnant or not. That's just one of the priorities of the female body is to create life. And so your luteal phase is broken up into two different, I mean, you, I kind of like to look at it as two different phases because you have your first half and your second half, because it is the longest of them all Mm -hmm. in the first half. You're still kind of riding the high of your hormone peak from your ovulation phase. So you tend to have a lot more energy, things like that. And then you might start to wane off a little bit as you approach your period. Most of us see that as PMS, we start to get irritable. Um, Maybe you have like PMS, physical symptoms, breast tenderness, things like that. And then your period starts and you're like, oh, that's why I was a bitch two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, so uh, essentially when you get to your uh, luteal phase, second half of your luteal phase, progesterone comes into play. And essentially, like like I said, if your body recognizes that you're not pregnant, then the menstrual phase is to flush everything out and start the process over again. Oh, we didn't get pregnant. So it's time to flush it out so that we can try again next cycle. Mm -hmm. And so throughout each of these different phases, you have different energy levels. You have, you're predisposed to like, maybe be a little bit more creative, be a little bit more social and things like that. And that's all just because of what's going on hormonally inside of your body. So What I like to do as a trainer is I coach my clients through syncing their workouts to their cycle. So I'm a big believer in strength training. We need muscle mass, especially as women. Muscle mass helps us when we're sick. It helps us with our glucose and blood sugar. The more muscle we have, the more storage we basically have for our body to store glucose and things like that. And body composition as well. Like when women say they want to get toned, that means muscle mass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um I believe that maintaining a consistent strength training routine throughout the month is super important. And so I guide my clients through basically adjusting their energy levels based on what phase of their cycle they're in. So if a client comes to me and they're like, Jesse, 
I'm on my period this week, but I didn't get to the gym. You know what I'm going to say? That's fine. Because during your menstrual phase, you have the least amount of energy in theory. You have the least amount of energy now. And I am, I've had clients who have not gone to the gym or not done their workouts, but instead they've gone on a walk or they did a yoga session. And I applaud them for that because that means that they are listening to their body honoring the phase that they're in right now, rather than just pushing through and forcing themselves into the gym when that's really not what their body needs at that time. So that's kind of how I like to mesh cycle syncing with strength training. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's just like a giant permission slip to someone who's listening, who just kind of needs like validated and normalized, you know, in those ebbs and flows of energy and just drive and you know, in a culture where it's a little bit hustly, it's like, we'll just push through, just show up anyways. Like it'll create better energy. It's like, no, actually you're slowing down and listening to your body. Like physiologically, it needs this, you know, slow down time. And I think a lot of times people just like blow past (laughs) those like warning signs or those, you know, body signals of like, Hey, not feeling great. (laughs) Need to slow down. Could you listen to me? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that it just, that perspective is so cool. And like you said, you know, you sit in class and they're like in fifth grade and they're like, okay, well you bleed, here's a tampon, figure it out. And there's so like, it's so much more intricate than that. And when I first learned about the cycles or the phases of your cycle, I was like mind blown. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy cow, this makes so much sense. So we're talking about in terms of the different phases of your cycle, Outside of, you know, verbally hearing them, is there a way to track or take note of which phase you might be in? Yeah, this is a great question. So physically, obviously menstruation, we know when we're on our period because we're Mm -hmm. actually bleeding. And that's usually the easiest thing. And again, I think, actually, I don't think, I know that's why like day one of your period became day one of your cycle because it was the easiest thing to track. And at the time when like, you know, modern medicine was coming about, like men were the only ones who could practice medicine at the time. And so it made sense why like they deemed that day one and it's Mm -hmm. just been a continuation up until now. So, um, obviously like, you know, when you're on your period, because you're bleeding physically, you can tell when you are in your ovulation phase as well, your cervical mucus is going to be a little bit different. And, uh, during that time, because your body's basically again, preparing for a pregnancy, preparing for implantation and fertilization, as well as your body temperature actually raises prior to the egg release. And it stays higher throughout the second half of your phase before you start your period again. So those are really kind of the only physical things that you can tell. Um, but the, I like to use an app. I recommend all of my clients use this, this app as well. It's called in the flow spelled F L O in the flow. And what I love about this particular app is it was designed by the author of the book in the flow, um, by Alyssa Vitti. And this is where like, she dives so deep into cycle syncing and how you can sync it to not only your workouts, but your, your work life, your relationships, how you parent, all of those kinds of things. So I recommend that book to everyone just period, (laughs) Um, but this app, 
I love it because it incorporates all four phases. Whereas most period tracking apps really only focus on your period and then ovulation day. Like Mm -hmm. when did you ovulate? Like what, what are your most fertile days or whatever? Whereas this app, like I said, includes the phases in between. It, It includes the follicular phase. It includes the luteal phase and things like that. So I love that app for that reason. Another really great app is uh, Natural Cycles, which is a non-hormonal form of birth control. It's uh, basically a, a way to track your cycle and they give you actually a basal body temperature like thermometer so that you can take your temperature every morning and also track it that way. So mm. there are a lot of different ways to track your cycle. If you're just starting out, Like I totally suggest the in the flow app and just start tracking, like track when you're bleeding, um, and track those symptoms because the app, as you go through more and more cycles, it gathers more and more data and can help project, you know, when you're going to be in certain phases. And so what I did after I got about two to three months of data from that app is I actually, uh, every few months I'll go in and I'll look at the app and it'll say, you know, you're projected to be in this phase over these dates, this phase over these dates. I'll actually transfer that into my actual calendar on like, I'm a Google calendar girly. And so Me I'll too. transfer all of that into my Google calendar, just as an event, like at the top over however many days it's supposed to last. So when I'm planning for an event ahead of time, or if I am like going to be recording for my own podcast, I will try to aim it during my like ovulation phase, because I know that's when I'm going to be the most articulate. I know that's when I'm going to be the most social, the most communicative and those kinds of things. And then same for like, I just like to know when to expect my period as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously avoiding pregnancy. So I'm married, but my husband and I are not trying for kids right now. And so being able to know exactly when I'm ovulating is a huge thing because I haven't been on birth control since 2019 and we've successfully avoided pregnancy this far. So (laughs) that's actually like, that's actually something I see a lot with women is they're afraid to come off of birth control because they don't want to get pregnant. And my heart hurts so bad for those women because they just have not been taught how to track their cycle. And like you said earlier, like it wasn't until a few years ago that you didn't realize you could only get pregnant during a certain time of the month. Right. right? Like what yeah. a, what a testament to the failure of our public education system. Right. But yeah, yeah no, it, I just, absolutely. I, I want women to know that you can absolutely take control of your health and know exactly what's going on in your body with your cycle and things like that um, without hormonal birth control. You don't have to be on hormonal birth control. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you put that in your calendar because I think that really puts you in a state of empowerment and like authority and autonomy of your own life. It's like you are the steward of your energy and your time and you know how to best support yourself. And I just think about the one who's listening who really craves to, you know, follow through with that ambition and that drive and those goals. And that looks like learning how to support yourself in all areas of your life. And, you know, it's crazy how integral the hormones are to energy and just the flow. And I think it's really interesting that that book even goes in to talk about the intricacies of, you know, relationships and work. And it's, it's crazy how 
undereducated we are <laughs> when it comes mm-hmm. to hormones. But since you were talking about birth control, I think it's important that we maybe do touch on that a little bit. You know, what is hormonal birth control doing to our bodies? And like, what is it impeding when it comes to your cycle? Mm-hmm. Great question. So there are a few different forms of hormonal birth control. You have the birth control pill, and then you have IUDs, so intrauterine devices. Um, Kind of generalizing over them, uh, when it comes to the pill, basically the pill is shutting off your ovulation within your cycle, because if you're not ovulating, then you can't get pregnant. So basically that pill just goes in and shuts off ovulation. And what happens is you've probably heard if you're on hormonal birth control or on the pill, you've probably heard like you have the three weeks of the pill and then you have one week of like the sugar pill or whatever. Mm -hmm. And essentially that sugar pill, um, basically what it does is it creates a synthetic period. So when you're on the birth control pill, you're actually not having a real period. It's just the formulation of the pill creating a period so that you know you're not pregnant. Mm -hmm. So birth control pill goes in, shuts off ovulation. But when you shut off ovulation in a woman for decades at a time, like, I mean, women are going on birth control as early as like, you know, 13, 14, 15, right. It's wild. And they're staying on it for decades at a time and shutting off that process is going to cause a lot of problems later on. Like, especially when you go to detox from it and you go to get pregnant or you're trying for kids, whatever, mm-hmm. like it can cause a lot of issues that way. Everybody's experience on the birth control pill is different. Some people don't have any problems with it. Some people come off of it and don't have any problems. Some people have wild amount of problems while on it and then get off of it and then have to detox from it as well. So I won't go into like all of the things that could go on with hormonal birth control, but basically you can think of it as it's disrupting your body's natural processes. And so that's going to have consequences eventually, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's like... That's honestly terrifying to me and scary because it's, you know, at such a young age, like 13, 14, you're not educated enough. You know, hopefully we're getting into like a season and an era and a generation where us women are able to advocate for our children, you know, when they do come that age. And I wish somebody would have, you know, had the education and knowledge that I have now when I was, you know, first went on birth control. And I'm sure the majority of women listening to this have been on birth control or are on birth control at this point. And I think it's just really important to highlight like the whole like synthetic period thing to me, because that is wild for so long. I was like, I thought that was like your real period. And so hearing you talk about it, it shuts off your ovulatory phase. That's where like your energy is highest too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it just messes with that. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. So a lot of women will experience really low energy, just like fatigue and different things like that. And most of the time people are being prescribed birth control because of fatigue or acne or because of a hormonal imbalance. And they prescribe birth control to balance your hormones, but all it does is go in and wreak even more havoc when lifestyle changes, nutritional changes, exercise regimens could event could could ultimately heal your hormones before you would ever need to get on birth control. And then I also wanted to touch on um, IUDs because those are uh, a really popular thing right now as well. And basically what IUDs go in and do is they basically create 
a toxic environment within your uterus. It doesn't shut off ovulation. It doesn't, um, like prevent that process at all. It, it goes in, it's placed in there and the things that it releases creates such a toxic environment in your uterus that a pregnancy could happen, but it will, your body will immediately abort that pregnancy because it knows that your uterus is not in a healthy, safe, comfortable environment to actually host that pregnancy. So if you think about it, IUDs are a form of of abortion because your body is essentially doing that. So it's just a fascinating topic. Like I, I'm, you know, pro-choice all the way women deserve autonomy and advocacy for their own bodies and, and whatever, but not at the expense of our health overall health and wellness. And so, yeah, I found that really fascinating. That's actually something I learned recently about the differences between the birth control pill and IUDs. But it's just both of them at their core disrupt your natural processes within your body. Yeah, that that is so eye-opening. And I actually have been off birth control myself for about a year now. And it completely changed. Like I was dealing with so many acne issues, so many mood swings. And then like, you know, it's taken so much time to like heal that, but it's crazy. And so I'm curious because when they were offering the IUD, it was like hormonal versus non-hormonal. Is, is the non-hormonal still as disruptive or like what is, is it still, you know what I mean? I don't know if you know the difference or the answer to that question. So I don't, I don't have a confident answer in that question. I can kind of assume and surmise that an IUD is still going to cause disruption inside right. of the uterus just because of the nature of it. It's an inanimate object inside of your body. <laughs> Your, your body's not going to recognize it. It's not like it, we weren't born with it there. Right. And so right. your body, it, it's an invader if you think about it. And so I can kind of assume and surmise that that's what it does, but even if it doesn't release hormones, it's still causing problems. And so I just want like plain and simple. I want women to know that there is a way to avoid pregnancy, whether you want to be child-free or you're just trying to avoid pregnancy to begin with, there are absolutely ways to do it that don't involve you putting your body through such duress. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about, you know, a lot of the women that go on birth control, whether that's at a young age or whatever age, you know, it's acne related, cramps related. And I'm sure we could go down the rabbit hole of like ways to fix this and not put a bandaid on it. Um, But I guess maybe if you were just kind not to generalize or surface level, but different options that you have outside of maybe birth control to kind of fix some of those like core common problems. Mm-hmm. I think nutrition is such a huge, huge, huge part of it. I think uh, like I have this, I don't know if it's a silly belief to have or not, but I believe that every ailment can be fixed through nutrition Yeah, or at least improved through mm-hmm. nutrition. I think that the food that is sold in our grocery stores is so unbelievably toxic to our bodies and cause so many problems. And it's all a money game, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, but nutrition is a huge thing. So whole nutritious dense foods, getting enough fiber, getting enough protein, avoiding all the added sugar, all the processed garbage, all the emulsifiers, the additives, the artificial sweeteners, all of that stuff that our body can't process. Avoiding all of that is huge. 
And that's, that's the place where I would have anybody start is, is going to be there with nutrition. And it's not a small feat. You know, I was listening to your podcast earlier and it was like, you know, it's kind of like the cost exchange of, you know, going to Walmart and buying the great value brand of things versus like going somewhere like Whole Foods or somewhere with more, you know, cleaner ingredients and spending a little bit more. And it's like, people have a hard time investing in in that, but it's like at the cost of literal days and years on your life, potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I mean, I get it. Like eventually I want to get into philanthropic work where I can uh, somehow bridge the gap between impoverished communities and lower income areas and bringing quality food there because it's so sad to me to see those who are struggling financially constantly go through, you know, go to the dollar store for groceries yeah. or go to Walmart because it's cheaper for groceries. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of a mind like mindset work that can be done there too. Like you were just saying, well, yeah, it, you pay a little bit more now, but you're saving yourself on medical bills later, prescriptions, right. doctor's visits, hospital stays, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, later on. And as a society that really wants, you know, instant gratification, it's, it's sometimes hard to grasp that, but yeah, I just, I wholeheartedly believe in the power of food, that food is medicine and that it is also information for our bodies mm-hmm. and our bodies haven't evolved past junk ingredients. <laughs> That doesn't, that doesn't happen in 30, 20, you know, 50 years. So. Yeah, man. And I I think the work that you do is so powerful and just even, you know, starting to kind of plant these seeds in the listener's ears of, you know, potential for change and really just being mindful and aware of the things you're putting into your body and the energy and the cycle thinking. And, you know, even going back to the beginning of the episode, when we talked about really advocating for yourself. And I think that starts with even just slowing down enough to acknowledge what it is that you're feeling. And you have to identify that something's wrong before you're able to go and, you you know, seek out a solution. And luckily we have great people like you in our community who are advocating for that change. And, you know, especially as a woman and as a female athlete and as a female who cares about her health, it's like, we have to put ourselves first and realize that, you know, like nobody's going to do it for us and they're going to try and take our money in the process. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's true. There, there's nobody else that's coming to save us. And one thing I like to share is just, if you don't put yourself first, then who will? Yeah. Like stop waiting for someone to come save you. Stop waiting for someone to motivate you, to inspire you, to push you, to challenge you. Like you have to do all of that on your own. And the, the, the other thing that I like to tell people too, is that confidence comes from taking action a lot of women, especially when it comes to working out, like weightlifting and things, they don't feel confident and they're waiting to feel confident to actually go in and try that, to start that, to do that. When in reality, it comes with action. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah. I I guess two kind of random little tidbits for you right there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. I love it so much. And we talk about that a lot here in this community is, you know, the best way to build belief in yourself is by showing up for yourself and taking that action and knowing that it's probably going to be uncomfortable, but you kind of have to look at that opportunity cost. Like if you keep doing the same things and, you know, operating at the same level with the same habits, it's like, you're going to end up with the same results. So in order to create change, you have to do things differently. And that requires discomfort, but we embrace that here at built to be you. So <laughs> thank you so much, Jesse. I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for hours. Like you are a wealth <laughs> of knowledge. And I love that, you know, you went through your certification as a personal trainer and you're like, wow, there's so many education gaps here. And obviously you've been the steward of your own knowledge and you are a powerhouse. Like Thank you so much for going so deep and all that. Cause I was like, dang, she really knows what she's talking about. I love this. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and for your sweet words. Like sometimes uh, even I, I mean, I've only been fitness coaching for a, a little less than a year now, but even sometimes I am like, do I actually know what I'm do- what I'm talking about? And so to have the validation from you is really, uh, really helpful. And, and I appreciate it so much. Yes, absolutely. We'll keep doing the work that you're doing. Where can we connect with you after this episode and really just make sure we stay in touch with your world and the changes that you're making? Yeah, absolutely. So Instagram is the best place to come hang out with me. My handle is at Miss MS Jesse Lockhart. So come over, give me a follow, binge my content, send me a message. Let me know that you found me from this podcast. I would love to hear what your biggest takeaways were. So Instagram is the best place. The second best place is in my Facebook group. I have a Facebook group called the Swolistic Collective, and we're in there with all different kinds of women who are on their own holistic health journeys who want and crave the education and the community in that space. And then also on my own podcast, which is called The Swolistic Show, I go into all different kinds of holistic health topics, what I'm doing, and all different kinds of things. So those are going to be the best places to connect with me. Awesome. I will make sure that the listeners have all that down in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that I am so dang grateful that we are now on this journey through uncovering what it means to be you together. If you love this episode, make sure you share it with your friend or better yet, share it on social media and tag me so that way I know. Until next time, chat soon. 